Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I'm your host, John Ledyard, along with my boss, the one and only, the esteemed Scott Reynolds. Scott, how are you on this morning? We are a couple days away now from Raiders Bucks. Yes. In, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a return of, of John Gruden to his former stomping grounds in Tampa Bay, where many people thought for a while that he would eventually come back and coach once again. Well, technically, they're playing in Las Vegas, but That's yes, true. he is playing his former team. And I asked him about that on the conference call literally just minutes ago. So I've got some fresh information for you, Bucks fans, which is kind of cool. So, uh, you know, one of the things that, that John Gruden was was asked uh, was um, on, on the conference call. I'm not going to name any reporters names, but but <laughs> he was asked about the tuck rule and about playing Tom Brady for the first time since then. And he said... Um, he said, well, they, I think they misspelled the name of that rule. <laughs> and, and, and he was asked, he was asked, how often do you think about the tuck rule? And he says, well, not at all. Like if you were me, would you want to think about that, you know, play as well? <laughs> and it's kind of funny because right after that, he ended the call. So I, I don't think I didn't ask that question. But I don't, I don't think John wanted to go down memory lane against the Patriots and that snow game against uh, you know Tom Brady um, and and the the Charles Woodson sack fumble which wasn't right. because of the Tuck rule. Um, I asked John how how it was facing his former team, the Buccaneers, for the first time, and you know, and he said it's yeah. water under the bridge. He he certainly loved his time in Tampa. His family still resides here in Tampa, but but really, uh, you know, he's he's uh, grateful for the opportunity to to be here. Uh, been a long time yeah, yeah he's, I mean, it's, he's back with the raiders now you know and right and um you know he didn't say it but he did have an opportunity to come back and coach and uh he chose the raiders instead of the buccaneers mm. to replace Dirk cutter um so you know he's he's happy doing his thing with the raiders now the other question i asked him was about the bucks defense i said john you you certainly know a good bucks defense when you see one yeah. Uh, how does this Bucks defense stack up to what you were used to in the past? And he he was just effusing praise for Todd Bowles, John. He was uh, he, he yeah. said, "Listen, defenses don't do that to Aaron Rodgers." Yeah. So it, it's quite a, a performance when you put on that tape. Uh, Bowles calls blitzes from everywhere. He drops defensive linemen. He blitzes safeties. Uh, <laughs> he he presents a real challenge, and he really admires Todd Bowles for the type of, of, uh, of game that he called and has called this year for the Buccaneers. Right. So a lot of respect for, for, uh, for the Buccaneers organization right. and for this 2020 Buccaneer team had a lot of nice things to say about Bruce Arians. Um, got to know him a little bit throughout the years. Interesting as Bruce pointed out, John on the conference call today that John Gruden's dad, Jim Gruden actually helped him get the temple job the Temple head coaching job way back in the day. And that's something that, that Bruce went into in depth in his book, right. The Quarterback Whisperer. But he did mention that today on the conference call. On the so conference call, right. A lot of mutual respect and love between Arians and Gruden and uh, should be a really fun game on Sunday Night Football yeah. between the Raiders and the Buccaneers. I agree. Yeah, it's a lot to look forward to. And we have a ton to talk about on this podcast. I already see people throwing in questions about the matchups and how we're going to stop the run and you know how the defense matches up with the Raiders offense with rugs. And we're going to get to all that on the show. I just want to welcome you for coming into the show. Uh, appreciate everybody who's here and all the people yes. that have subscribed with us on YouTube. We have just raised that uh, following uh, greatly in the last few days and weeks. And so we're 
Very appreciative of that. But also want to mention, if you're not subscribing to us on YouTube or watching us on YouTube, try to go over there and subscribe and watch us on YouTube if you can. mean a lot to us. Um, also, if you're having trouble getting notifications, I went in and left some comments for people and I already left some comments for people uh, in the chat here too. But if you're having trouble getting our notifications when we go live, you probably subscribe before we, start, we started making some of the changes to our yeah. settings. So all you have to do is unsubscribe and then hit the subscribe button again and you should be able to turn on that notifications. No exactly. problem. So if you're watching or listening to this as a podcast and you usually watch us live and you're wondering how to do that, that's kind of how you can get that done and you can get notifications every time we go live. Uh, and we really appreciate that. It's been awesome having y'all in here and interacting with y'all yes, and cool. doing more of these live shows. It's been, format. yeah, it's been really, really cool and really fun for us. And uh, we're going to make it, you know, like I said, it's going to be a regular thing for us. And, and we'll talk more about that moving forward too, Scott. But one of the things we have to talk about right off the back bat of, on this show is that there's a chance and we won't put a huge chance on it, but there's now a chance, I guess, that this game would get moved or something would happen with this game just based on the fact that the Raiders have had a positive COVID test. Right tackle Trent Brown uh, today didn't practice with the team, and he uh, had tested po- – we don't know that he tested positive. He got put on right. the COVID list. I don't know if John Gruden mentioned anything about this to you, and you can, I'll, let you, I'll let you explain kind of the full context of the situation, but Trent Brown is basically on that COVID list. They're starting right tackle. He was injured most of the year. I think he just came back. And now he's on the COVID list, so unlikely to play this week. You'd think they have Damon Arnett, a corner on there as well, but he had been on injured reserve before he got put on there. So they're coming off a bye, not quite sure what the contract chasing is going to show. It's probably good they haven't probably been around each other that much. But at the same time, there was some news about the Raiders' O-line that John Gruden let you all know today on that conference call, right, Scott? Yeah, he really did. It was big news, too. Um, The entire offensive line, all five starters, uh, had to go home. Uh, and and do some quarantining until they can do some testing. So, mm-hmm. yes, this is some breaking news right here for you, Buccaneer fans and Peter Report fans that are listening to this live stream on YouTube or Twitter or wherever else you're hearing about it. Uh, yeah. The Raiders' starting offensive line uh, was was not at practice today, and that presents a huge problem for this Raiders team that has done a really good job scoring points. The interesting right. thing is they're averaging thirty. Point two points per game, so they're a high-powered offense. Um, but I think the problem is is their defense. They're giving up thirty point four points per game, so that's a big reason why they're three and two and not, uh, you know, five and zero, oh, for example. Yeah, and and, and I, I think that that again, going back to what John Gruden said, uh, his respect for this defense is is immense. And and you know, listen, Tampa Bay can get after the quarterback. We've seen that now yep. with with uh, with multiple sack games, the latest of which came against Aaron Rodgers, John, with five sacks. And so not having this offensive line at practice in preparation for a myriad of blitzes mm-hmm. and different schemes and looks that Todd Bowles can throw at you really presents some problems coming off that bye week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you talked about just what this Bucks or what the Raiders offense has been able to do this season. But one of the things they've been able to do is they've been able to keep from playing, you know, making mistakes as an offense. And that's yeah. something that the Bucks, you know, that was kind of the thing that's plagued them for years and what they're trying to get over. The Raiders are seventh, I think, eighth, eighth best in the NFL in penalties. They've only committed seven turnovers, which is the same as the Bucks. Kind of everybody's kind of in a glut in the middle there, but neither of those those numbers aren't very high. So both teams doing a good job of that, but. Penalty edge obviously goes to the Raiders, although the Bucs were clean last week. And then the Raiders also four drops the entire season, Scott. I mean, yeah. they tied for best in the NFL. So, I mean, this is a team that has not shot themselves in the foot 
much yeah. this season when they've had the football. And a big part of that has been the offensive line, even without Trent Brown, you know, and without Richie Incognito, you know, two of their best offensive linemen, they've been able to stay pretty consistent on that side of the ball. I don't know how much they've been tested, but in, and when they've been tested by top end talent, I think they've struggled a little bit more, but so far this season, Denzel good. And some of those replacements have held up. Okay. But you have to think the Bucks front is a whole nother test, even without Vita Vea in there. So both sides struggling with some injuries, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul probably faces Colton Miller, although they're moving Pierre-Paul around and Shaq Barrett around now. Um, and Shaq Barrett will go up against probably Denzel Good, um, yeah. who is the backup right tackle for the Raiders, who mm-hmm. has not been very good during most of his career, right. but uh, as is getting a little bit better in, in Las Vegas, I think. So matchups that on paper still look like they'll favor one of the teams that blitzes the most in the Bucs, uh, the third highest blitz percentage in the league, I think, according to Pro Football Reference, and then uh, another and team, obviously, that we were talking about uh, Monday on the podcast that they get uh, get the sacks uh, to 22 on the season at one of the highest marks in the league as well. Sure. And, and I think the thing, too, and I asked Bruce Aarons about this today on the conference call about Shaq Barrett. And, you know, granted, right now, the Buccaneers have done a really good job of getting the quarterback, even without right. a whole bunch of production. They're second in the league, tied with Baltimore with 22 sacks, just two behind Blitzburg, John. And anytime you can be anywhere near Pittsburgh in terms of, of getting to the quarterback, that's that's a really uh, big accomplishment. So yeah. the Buccaneers are off to a really hot start. They've had multiple sack games against Carolina, against Denver, and, and certainly uh, they had you know three against the Bears, five against Aaron Rodgers, his first five sacks of the season. So they've done a really good job of getting after the quarterback. But I asked him about Shaq Barrett's production. This time last year, John, he had nine sacks and three forced fumbles. This year... He's got three sacks, two of which came in one game against Denver, which mm-hmm. also includes a safety, no forced fumbles. And and I asked him, I said, is, is this something to be concerned about? He says, no, he's just getting close. He's he's super close. He's been close on about maybe three others that, you know, if he had just gotten one more step, yep. then all of a sudden he's got five or six and you don't worry about it. So Pro Football Focus has him as the fourth highest, fourth most amount of pressures in the NFL yep. right now. Pressures is kind of a subjective stat, and, you know, and you'll see it differently, but that was still right. interesting to me. No, great point. And, and I think that that uh, I would be, be more concerned for Shaq Barrett and the Buccaneers if Jason Pierre-Paul didn't have five and a half from right. rushing from the other side. So so you got to remember, it's like Shaq Barrett had 19 and a half last year and Jason Pierre-Paul had eight and a half. And actually, I predicted that, that Jason Pierre-Paul would lead the league in sacks this year only because of the, of the attention that Shaq Barrett is getting. And let's let's not forget, John, this is an important uh, you know thing to remember. When you look at... at uh, Shaq Barrett last year was his first big year getting to the quarterback and yeah. having a Pro Bowl caliber year. He's never had to to face that type of, of attention year in and year out. And this is right. now year two after that. Jason Pierre-Paul has been a, a double-digit sacker multiple times throughout his career. He's used to the attention, and it doesn't phase him. He knows how to beat double teams. And I think Todd Bowles mm-hmm. does a good job of moving him around inside and out and kind yeah. of give, giving him some of those good matchups. So I'm not too worried about it right now. I'd be more concerned if JPP had like two sacks or two and a half, but with right. five and a half and three from Shaq Barrett, those bookends are getting it done. Right. I think JPP third in the NFL, I want to say right now, in yes. sacks. So the production definitely happening for him, as he promised us before the season that it would. Uh, like I said, the Raiders playing mistake-free football, not only mistake-free football, they are playing extremely efficient football this season, Scott. It is it is very tough for me to say. Like people ask, are the Raiders good? I don't know. I know they've lost 
to teams they shouldn't have lost to probably, and they've beaten teams I wouldn't have expected them to beat, but I don't know if they're good or not. I mean, I'm just looking at some of their numbers for this team, and this year they have the highest completion percentage in the NFL. 73% like, for Derek I mean, Carr. And you know what? Last year he had a, he had a really good number. He was completing 70% of his passes, yeah. 70.4. And, and the thing that I liked about, about Derek Carr – is last year 21 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Anytime you're two for one or, or three for one, you're playing pretty good at the quarterback position. I think mm-hmm. the difference, John, last year was that that they didn't have the big play capability. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Yeah. But but when you when you stick on the turnovers and playing mistake-free football, right now you got to be impressed. Derek Carr, 11 touchdowns, one interception and completing 73% of his passes. So mm-hmm. anytime the quarterback can take care of the football. And give it to his guys rather than your guys. Right. That's that's Good. why they have a winning record, and that's right. why they they were able to beat a team like Kansas City. Right, exactly right. And what's crazy about the Raiders this year, and you were mentioning the different, you know, last year they've been an efficient offense. I think that's been true about Carr through most of his career. He's been efficient, and but he's also been very hesitant to go down the field. And this year, the fifth highest yards per attempt average in the NFL this year. So this is a team. We have to kind of ask ourselves at this point, Scott, like, are the Raiders suddenly, and and even John Gruden had fun with this after last week's game. He's like, yeah, we threw the football down the field a little bit for all you pro football focus people. (laughs) And I'm not sure if it was a knock because they just hadn't thrown the ball down the field. But now these are the numbers for them this season, okay? Carr is tied for 26th in the league of 35 qualified quarterbacks on deep ball attempts. So he is not throwing deep very often still, even after last week's game. He is 9 of 15 for 374 yards on passes of 20 yards or more this season. So he is the 10th most yards on attempts of 20 yards or more this year, despite being 26th in attempts. So he's hardly doing it at all, and he's unbelievably productive when he does. But here's the other catch. Four of six of those nine of 15, four, he was four for six last week against the Chiefs, or two weeks ago against the Chiefs, for 219 of those 374 yards and two yeah. of those three touchdowns, the third best adjusted completion percentage in the NFL when he goes down the field. So he is barely doing it. He's terrific at it when he does it. He's accurate yeah. at it when he does it. And they're getting huge chunk plays when they do it but they've hardly done it in any of their games this season. And almost all their production has come in one game against the chief secondary that looked lost in that game, to be honest. And I, I just have no idea if it's sustainable. If it is, the Raiders are one of the scariest teams in the, in the NFL right now, I think, because uh, on offense, be, uh, because, and we'll sure. get to their defense in a second, but on offense, because they're going to get their offensive line back healthy eventually when this COVID thing passes or, and they may have most of them for this game. We'll see how the tracing goes. But in the in the offensive line is one of the best in the league when they're back healthy. They're going to yeah. eventually get Richie Incognito back. They've got great weapons in the passing game. Brian Edwards will be back probably not this week, but maybe the next week. Mm-hmm. And they have Henry Ruggs and Hunter Renfro is great and Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs. And if Derek Carr is going to be efficient and be aggressive, I mean, he's going to be back to the Derek Carr we thought maybe he was early in his career when we thought this guy's one of the next great young quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't know whether that's going to be consistent, though, Scott. I'm just being honest. I, I I need to see a way bigger sample size with Derek Carr before I'm going to buy into him becoming, transforming into that type of a quarterback. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got some some pretty good contacts in the Raiders organization, uh, if you that's know right. what I mean. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I talk with those contacts quite a bit. We talked at, uh, you know, say, the the Senior Bowl, the, at the mm-hmm. East-West Shrine game. We talked at, 
at the uh, at the Indianapolis uh, Scouting Combine uh, in February, and we kind of talked about the Raiders' offense and Derek Carr because I didn't know if Derek Carr was was someone that was that was a, a possible trade candidate for the Buccaneers. So there was some talk that, that sure. the Raiders were going to go hard after Tom Brady, and apparently they did. But but Tom said, "Nope, I, I'm looking either at the uh, Los Angeles Chargers or I'm looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers." Mm-hmm. Uh, once once the 49ers said no, and once he knew that he was leaving the Patriots, so uh, you know, I inquired about that offense, and from from what I understand, and, and the numbers kind of bear that out. Derek Carr just didn't have any deep weapons to throw to. It, it was a, a dink and dunk offense. It was the kind of the, the classic West Coast offense, the short underneath stuff, the intermediate stuff, but not really much deep because they didn't have a deep threat. Mm-hmm. And the numbers bear that out. Tyrell Williams had a 15.5-yard average last year. He was the only target right. that had 10 catches or more that had uh, uh, yards per uh you know, uh, an average of, of 13 right. or more. Uh, right. You had Darren Waller at 12.7. You had Hunter Renfro at 12.3. This year, it's a completely different story. Renfro mm-hmm. was at 14.2. Now, Waller's taken a step back because he's been more of a possession guy, and he's mm-hmm. been a marked man after his 1,000-yard year. He's right. only averaging 8.7 yards per catch. But Nelson Aguilar, who's from Tampa, three touchdowns, averaging 18.5 yards per catch. And and Ruggs, Henry Ruggs, the first round pick, when he's healthy and yeah. on the field, averaging twenty nine point five yards per catch. Now that's due to that four two seven speed, John. That yeah. that that awakened you and myself and everybody at the combine. <laughs> so I, I think that now that he's got those deep threats, uh, they are throwing the ball down the field more because they have guys that can just simply get yeah. down the field and make some plays. And Derek Carr, to his credit, when he is taking those shots, is hitting them. Yeah, it's a very interesting matchup. You know, to me, I honestly get all, I honestly might be more worried about this matchup for Carlton Davis if he does fall Henry Ruggs, which I'm not even sure he's going to because Jamel Dean, I think, is faster than Carlton Davis. Dean. Exactly. Yeah. So, I I, in Dean. my opinion, I'm like, man, I, I'm not sure, you know, exactly how the Bucs choose to defend Henry Ruggs. He hasn't really, like you said, the Chiefs game was great, but until then, he hadn't right. really made a huge impact. So, it's hard to know how much attention you give a guy like that. And I think it's something they have to be aware of for sure where he is on the field each and every play. But to me, the big, the big deal in this offense is Darren Waller. Like if they don't defend Darren Waller and if they choose to defend Darren Waller with Jordan Whitehead, I don't think it's going to go well for the Bucs. It has not been Jordan Whitehead's strength. And I think they're going to have to find another way to defend in these situations if they want to be successful. John, I'm not Todd Bowles, but I was a Pop Warner defensive coordinator. So looking at- I've heard that. I have, yeah, and it was a damn good one too. I I can show you some <laughs> film that would some stats would blow your mind, uh, but I digress. Um, but no, what I would do just just from a traits in, in a in a in a size uh, you know standpoint, I, I would put Jamel Dean on Henry Ruggs. I would put uh, uh, I think Nelson Aguilar is really their most dangerous weapon because he works the red zone really well. He's the most experienced receiver they have on their team. I think Carlton Davis would draw his assignment. And then Hunter Renfro operates in that slot. And so Sean Murphy Bunting is, is going to get him. So that's how I would match it up. Uh, well, who do you put on Waller? Um, well, if I was Todd Bowles, I would go with Jordan Whitehead because that's the that's oh, the no. flavor of the month. But I tell you, Antoine Winfield would be the guy that that I would I would give a shot at. Now, with Waller, it's going to be a size mismatch either way because yeah. you've got uh, Winfield at 5'9", Jordan 5'9 and a half, 5'10". And Waller's around six six foot six, so right. you're looking at a size mismatch with either one of those guys. 
But um, and I tell you, uh, I like this Winfield kid, man. I think he's got some sticky coverage ability, and uh, yeah. why not? Why not see what he can do against the tight end? You you know right. that Jordan Whitehead can cover the tight end, maybe not as well as you want him to, but he's got experience doing it. Why not put the the rook out there and let's see what happens? Well. Now you got me thinking, and so I got I feel like I got to state my case for how to defend these guys. And I, right, I agree with it. you that I agree with you that I would want Jamel Dean as often as possible on Henry Ruggs. I think that's how I would want to defend it. But the other thing that I think that I might differentiate with you on this is that I really would like to see how often Carlton Davis can match up with Darren Waller because to me, I think yeah. Hunter Renfro is a good player, but like you know where he's going to be, and you know he's probably going to play most of the time in the slot. And it's the same thing with, uh, with you know, so you're going to see Sean Murphy bunting against him. And I think it's probably a, a better matchup there than it is there for Davis inside there. But you're going to see Darren Waller play all over the place. I mean, this guy yeah. lines up out wide, double-digit snaps every game this season. He's lined up in the slot, double-digit double snaps in three of five games this season. So yeah. they're going to play him all over. Your choices, you can't put a, tight, a linebacker on the guy. You, I mean, that's not how the Bucs really use their linebackers. So – I don't think that's going to be an option for them with how much they want to blitz and how much those guys drop in the middle zone coverages and how much they're going to need him in the flats against Josh Jacobs and how good a receiver he is. You know, so I think your options are that Whitehead, <laughs> which I'd be terrified of, or Scott Antoine Winfield plays in the slot mm-hmm. or or in man coverage against Darren Waller. Okay, and Mike Edwards plays more football in the middle of the field, and Jordan Whitehead doesn't play as much in this game. That would be a big move. I'm not saying you roll out of the gates with it. John, how many, would, how many snaps has Mike Edwards had this year? It's 52, and he's got how two How many picks. <laughs> picks does he have? Yeah, I'm just saying. So, I think you're on to yeah. something there. I, I, to me, that's like the if you don't feel comfortable putting Carlton Davis on a tight end most of the game, then that's how I'd match up with it. Realistically, we're, I'm sure we'll see a good amount of zone coverage as well, um, yeah. trying to stop, like Justin mentions right here on cue, uh, the yep. two deep looks and trying to stop – Henry Ruggs speed uh, being a factor and in the, in the, if the Raiders are going to go vertical, be a factor. Yep. I don't think I'd come out giving them a ton of respect. You know, I, I not that I'm saying this team can't consistently in big plays. It's just right. something we've seen really one game for, from the last like several years for Derek Carr. Um, and so it's, so I would want to make him do that and continue to do it and hurt you in that way. And, and I right. want to make sure that we took care of the efficient stuff because like I said, the bucks are, are the Raiders are still a team that is completing a ton of underneath stuff. Oh yeah, and 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 when you talk about it, completing underneath stuff, that almost lends itself to zone coverage, right? Because you know you you want those guys on their landmarks. Uh, the only thing that I, I would say is is with Carr's pension to get rid of the ball quickly, zone might be the way to go. Mm. But it's so tempting, John, with with the COVID hitting Trent Brown and and possibly keeping this offensive line out of practice. So tempting to just you know, go man and send the and house send, <laughs> and send the linebacker. Because yeah. otherwise, otherwise you're, you're having Devin white drop in coverage, which we've, we've agreed is not his forte. Uh, Devin white better in forward and drive mm-hmm. than reverse. Sure. Right. Right. And, and Levante David can do it all, but boy, you saw what he, he could do as a blitzer last week with his first sack and a half of the season. So I, you know, I, I'm an aggressive guy as a defensive minded guy. I love Todd Bowles' blitz schemes. I love when he can route a quarterbacks mm-hmm. and get after it. And I, I want to test Derek Carr's ability to not uh, turn the ball over, just like you did with Aaron Rodgers last week. Two interceptions after having none. Well, Derek Carr only has one interception. Uh, let's see if the Buccaneers can make him end up with three or four by, by the end of Sunday night. 
Yeah, Derek Carr has actually out of nowhere been good under pressure this season. It is yeah. a small sample size, and I, and most of his career it's been one of the struggle issues for him is his game kind of dissipating when he gets pressured a lot. It was his big issue coming out of college, and it really kind of followed him throughout his career. So he hasn't been pressured very much. Actually, one of the few quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks in the league that's been pressured less than Tom Brady by a couple a couple uh, pressure dropbacks, I think. So yep. I, I still think that – I still think you can rattle the guy. I mean, they rattled Aaron Rodgers, and he barely been pressured all season long. And uh, you know, he'd been great when he was pressured. And so, right. I, I think that this is still a defense that can wreak a lot of havoc. Like you said, the Raiders are probably going to be down two of their best four, three starters on their offensive line uh, yeah. for this game. And so, I think you have to still be aggressive and and uh, dance with the girl who brought you brought. But at the same time, like I, I don't like think that the Raiders the Bucks can't match up I think they're just it's a different type of team to match up with than the it Packers is. because they have more than one guy that's a threat and they have different types of players the Packers yes you can you can talk about their their weapons and their passing game all you want but you're like there's not a type there's not different types you have to worry about like Connor Renfro Correct. is not the kind of guy you want Carlton Davis to see in coverage a lot it's just not exactly. like his MO you you're right I mean? John and, and not just that but the Packers didn't have a Darren Waller a guy with with size and speed at the tight end position right they can they can line Line up in line, flex, or line up out wide. And they didn't have a guy in Henry Ruggs with 427 speed that, that as I'm writing about in my SRS Fab 5 for Friday, when I preview the four matchups to watch, uh, one little sneak peek, I, I'm saying Jamel Dean, if he's going to be locked up with, with a guy like Henry Ruggs, he's got to be the secret service. And what I mean by that is you can't allow one shot, you got to mm -hmm. be perfect. Yeah. And because Jam uh, Jamel Dean has the speed to keep up with a guy like Henry Ruggs, I believe, and, and the physicality, at least to slow him off the line of scrimmage. But Henry Ruggs is the kind of guy that that if he only has one catch, it could be for an 80-yard touchdown, and that could be the difference in the game. Right. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about for sure. And I think, you know, at this point in the season, six weeks in, I definitely think that one of the things that we can bet on is that this Bucks defense will come to play in this game. It will bring the energy and the physicality and the Raiders down a couple starters will have to respond to that. And you would hope that the Bucks are able to eliminate some of those weapons down the field in the passing game and make the Raiders that team John, that has to string together a ton John, of different passes. Yes, sir. I heard, you, I heard you say bet. Oh, yes, absolutely. Something Did I would bet on. Did you hear that? I, I, I heard it, Bucks fans. Did you hear it? But bet. Let's talk about bets. Ever since I started out, people have asked me for advice on all kinds of things covering sports. It's usually who's going to win, what team should they bet on whatsoever. You got the Patriots of the 49ers this week. You got the Bucks or the Raiders. Well, the best piece of advice I can give to anyone is where you're betting because it's just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I always tell people to bet at my bookie. That's where I bet Bucks fans, not just because they're a sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. It's where I do my online gaming as well. They've got deposit matches, free bets, huge cash prize contests for you to take advantage of all season long. NFL action, check. College football, check. Plus, they got a, a mobile friendly website and top of the line customer service, making their platform a one stop shop for all your betting needs. MyBookie offers action on everything from championship futures to NFL in-game live betting. So make sure you're covered every step of the way. Congrats if you're one of the ones to cash in on their generous early season odds on the Lakers to win the NBA championship. Sign up at MyBookie today. When you do, use the promo code PEWTER to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little bit of help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code Pewter 
to claim your bonus when you make your initial deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports, and more await you. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Scott, we've talked a lot and sung a lot of praises on the Raiders' offense, and I want to move to the defensive side of the ball, but I have to say this one thing that I was meaning to get in on the last part. Sure. I think I'm more worried about Henry Ruggs' type of receiver at this point in the season than I am about those true number one outside type of receivers. You know, the the Michael Thomases, the Allen Robinsons, the Devontae yeah. Adams. I think the Bucks have a guy to match up with those types in Carlton Davis. Oh, yeah. These in-between types – yeah, these speed types scare me. I mean, look at these guys that are coming off the Chargers practice squad that yeah. are getting de- deep down the field that are that's beating right. the Bucks corners. You know, those guys were just fast. That's, that's what they had. You'll look at the last game with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, twice got behind the Bucks secondary. Once, I, I don't know if Carlton Davis was kind of reading it and maybe playing a little bit in a trail position to try and make a play on the ball. I'm not sure, but still, I think, M- you know, MBS's speed gave them some issues, I think, back yeah. there. Those safety, you know, flipping your hips and turning and running and finding the football, it's not something they've been challenged with a lot this season. I'm a little bit worried about that. I'm a little bit worried about the big play. I don't know whether yeah. Carr will pull the trigger on him. That's what, where my question is, but that's where I'd be a little bit worried. I thought they had handled Devontae Adams a lot easier than they handled the speed of Valdez Scantling. Yeah. Rodgers just couldn't quite connect on a few of those throws. So lots to think about as we move through there. By the way, if you're jumping on here, if you're watching us, um, and if, you're, if you've been watching us on YouTube, please go and subscribe over at YouTube. If you're watching us on another platform, try and switch over to YouTube if you can. Jump on there, subscribe yeah. to us on there. Click those notifications on so you know every time we go live. If you have subscribed before, the notifications might not work right away. So just unsubscribe, hit subscribe again, and then click the notifications on. And that process should be able to alert you to whenever we go live with these podcasts and we're going live a lot tomorrow. We've got a live show going out at, uh, at 7 PM. We're going to be on with, uh, the athletics, uh, to Sean Reed, who covers the Raiders. Uh, Mark and I will be talking to him. He covered Florida state too, for a while. Yeah. So I think Mark will probably have some off topic questions. Uh, and John, the Deshaun, reason why it's seven is because he's a West coast guy, right? That's so right. He's a West coast guy. That. Yeah. Yep. So Normally we will be at 4, 4 PM, right. but 7 p.m. tomorrow. Right, right. Um, so I guess we're talking about the Raiders defense, John. Yeah. And does this group do anything well, Scott? I No. <laughs> they are 31st not. in DVOA right now per football yeah. outsider. So it is right off the bat. It's not a start. I've got a list of – I looked up everything I could trying to find. Right. So I found one stat to be optimistic about the Raiders defense. I had, I had them 31st in DVOA. Pro Football okay. Focus has them as the worst team tackling grade this yes. season. And, and John, hold on one second. I'm going to hold you right there. That's the one. one thing John Gruden really complimented the Buccaneers on was their tackling, yeah. especially the linebackers, Levante, David, and Devin White. Right. Uh, I, I, and when, when, when you said that, it really made me rem- remember what Gruden said about the Bucs defense and, and the tackling. And you could almost sense now that I replay it in my mind how jealous he was about that (laughs) and how envious he was about Tampa Bay's tackling, which really has been superb without Mm -hmm. a preseason. It was so many young guys, Sean Murphy, Bunting, Devin white, uh, you know, Mike Edwards, when he's out there, Jamel Dean, these guys are are tackling like absolute pros and it's making a big difference. It's something I asked Bruce Arians about. It's not just the front seven when it comes to Tampa Bay's Tampa Bay's number one ranked rush defense. Mm-hmm. It's also the corners on the perimeter, making sure those those backs don't yeah. get you know big yards down the sideline. So elite like, run yeah. defending secondary, yeah. elite yeah. at that. Uh, and I just watched. Tackle. 
Yeah, I just watched a film breakdown from Darius Butler, who's a great follow on Twitter, on the Cowboys, not corners, just have played in the league for years, some of these guys, Mm -hmm. not getting crack replaced role. Safety gets cracked, corners got to replace, and they're standing on their heels 10 yards deep, and then they're wondering why every run gashes them. It has not been an issue with the Bucs so far in their secondary, so that's been something they've been terrific at. But, yeah, I mentioned the missed tackles with the Raiders. 56 missed tackles this season per pro football reference. I think they were third worst for them. Like I said, pro football focus says them as the worst tackling grade. They also grade, like, technique and stuff like that. So something to think about there. 29th in run defense grade per pro football focus. 25th best run defense in the NFL per just regular statistics, Mm -hmm. rushing statistics. 16th in pass defense, so we're back league average. 26th in pass rush grade per pro pro football focus and 31st in coverage grade per pro football focus, 25th in yards per attempt allowed. So teams are gashing them on a pretty consistent basis. 29th in sacks tied Mm -hmm. for last in the league and takeaways. They have three takeaways on the entire season. Uh, 28th in blitz rate. So not only do they not get sacks, they also choose not to blitz very much, which if that sounds familiar, the Packers are 27th, I believe in blitz rate uh, after last week. So they're still down there too. Eighth in pressure rate, though. So this is a team that has not gotten yeah. many sacks and not blitz very often, but they have pressured the quarterback on a good, yeah. good amount of the time. So and, and they you have saw that guys. A bit they in, hustle. In they play hard. Yeah, you saw that in Kansas City a little bit, right? I mean, Patrick right. Mahomes had a scramble from the pocket. He wasn't mm-hmm. as comfortable as we usually see him. John, real quick before I get to to my list, which is shorter than yours. But can you explain what DVOA is? Because you're more of stats and analytical guy. I know what it is, but I want to hear it from you. Yeah, it's uh, basically a metric that pro, 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 uh, sorry, football outsiders came up with years ago to determine the value of a defense. And they take they uh, attribute like critical factors, for example, like the Bucks defense last year. This might be the example that makes it most realistic for fans is the Bucks defense last year had a great DVOA by the end of the year. I think they were top five. And what does DVOA stand for? Uh, defensive value over adjustment. So right. they adjust for these factors like the Bucks turning it over whatever amount of times and being on short fields and how well they right. do in those certain situations. Right. So, so no, basically the, the defense isn't penalized. They aren't if, penalized as much, correct. If, if they had to give up a, a field goal when mm-hmm. when there was a, a, a pick that was run back to the 25-yard right. line. Right? right. They're penalized for a lot less for allowing right, a 25-yard drive as opposed to like a 75-yard drive. And right. different factors and, you know, for allowing a touchdown in garbage time or you know, a meaningless score late in the game or when backups are in, things like that. So they just fa- factor in a lot of things that tell you what the true value of a defense uh, is probably closer to as a whole rather than, oh, they're 30th in scoring. Well, there's a yeah. lot of factors that could contribute to why, including yeah. the fact that they still count scoring. Well, at the same time, it's like subjective. It's <laughs> right. subjective, but, but, it, but it's an interesting measurement, right? Because because it does factor in things like short fields that you have to defend. Right. Yeah, at this point in the season, we have a large enough sample size that I would say it's pretty reliable in terms of determining right. who the, like the top is pretty reliable and the bottom yeah. Like are determining like who the who the extremes are, and in the middle, I would say like teams probably still have a chance to rise and fall a little bit. But I would say it's pretty safe to assume the Bucks will be a pretty consistently good defense for most of the rest of the season. You know, right. obviously all defenses are prone to some level of unpredictability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, per most analytics that are out there. But anyway, all that to say that you know on the Raiders side of it, they are they are bad in this measurement. <laughs> they are one of those <laughs> extreme out while the bucks are, you know, I think first right now, we said the other day, like the Raiders are second to last. And so that's the biggest extreme in this game, right. even though both offenses have been pretty efficient and steady and share some similarities. If the bucks could keep those penalties down and the drops down, 
But on the defensive side of the ball, they could not be really on more opposite ends of the extreme in this game, Scott. Right. Well, you're right. And and really the big stat to me is the fact that they're giving up 30.4 points per game. Um, I think that that mm-hmm. that to me is an even bigger measurement. And I got that from John Gruden. That's one thing is I learned from John Gruden uh, back when he was, was coaching and I was covering him was – Number one, total defense, uh, yards allowed, it's fine, but yards don't win games, points do. And yeah. they, they've, they've scored 30.2, so the, the Raiders are a formidable offense, but their defense, when you're when you're scoring 30.2 and you're giving up 30.4, you know, you're a 500 football team, and that's something that the Raiders want to avoid. They were 7-9 and nine last year. Showed some improvement from Gruden's first year at 4-12 and 12 when they were in complete rebuild mode, but they drafted a slew of – of Clemson players, John, and one of those players is, is Clellan Farrell, who mm-hmm. uh, Farrell, uh, I believe, doesn't have one sack this year. Right. And and right now, I mean, Max Crosby has actually been the better pass rusher. The kid mm-hmm. from Eastern Michigan, he had 10 sacks as a rookie and has four this year. And, John, they've got six sacks. He's got four of them. Yeah. And um, they really can't get to the ball. There's a familiar face over there that Buccaneer fans will remember, Carl Nasty. Uh, that's what I used that's to right. call Carl Nassib, uh, who I'm sure would love to get a sack against Tom Brady because it's a trophy, but also to show his former team what he can do out there in Oakland. But so far, he's been a very overpriced, underachieving guy, only has half mm-hmm. a sack this year. And he's splitting time with, with Farrell uh, opposite of Max Crosby. So Max Crosby will go against Tristan Wirfs. It's a matchup to watch. Uh, Wirfs really be- rebounded nicely after Khalil Mack. Uh, mm-hmm. In that Packers game, you didn't hear Worf's name at all, which is a right. great thing. No penalties, no sacks allowed, and uh, we saw we saw Tristan Worf's revert back to normal, which is a hell of a rookie right tackle, John. Right. Oh yeah, it's you know it's one of those areas where I think the the Bucks have to win in this game. We mentioned the pressure rates. I think some of that is because you know even in the last game, if you look, Patrick Mahomes is kind of leaking out the back of the pocket and making mm-hmm. it easier for court for these rushers to get in, uh, get the edge a little bit. Max Crosby is a very interesting player because he probably plays as hard as anybody in the league, and we know Carl Nassib's in that conversation as well. Cleveland Farrell's also a dog. I mean, those guys all will yeah, play extremely player. hard. Just hasn't right? hasn't they're, produced they're, yeah, like they wanted him to they're yet, especially tough. as the fourth overall pick in the draft, right. John. Oh, yeah, and I thought that pick was terrible when they made it. Even though I liked Farrell's game, I just did not think Here's that Here's some inside scoop for you. The Buccaneers were scared to death that the Raiders were going to take Devin White at four. They yeah. were like this, <laughs> right? And, and it was not just a surprise that they didn't take Devin White, if you remember, but they that they drafted Cleveland Farrell that high, yeah. fourth overall. And when the Buccaneers saw Farrell's name off the board at number four, the, the Buccaneers picked fifth. They were doing cartwheels, jumping jacks, backflips, whatever in the draft room. They were ecstatic right. to get Devin White to five. That was the target all along. And if you remember, yeah. Buccaneer fans, we had him. In four out of our five mock drafts, right. I was going to put him in all five, but honestly, just just you because, also. <laughs> well, yeah, just just because of the the, the chance that the Raiders could have taken him, I wanted to put somebody else in there. I put Josh Allen in there That's in mock right. draft number three, but we came back with, with four and five and had Devin White in. You, know, you yeah, you also productive. you also would have been quite furious that the Raiders drafted Devin White. It would have ruined yes. us. Oh, I, I, I was watching that. the film. It's funny when I first watched the film. And Peter Report was we were the first ones to have Devin White go into the Buccaneers mm-hmm. in January because it was right after the East West Shrine game. We actually had some pretty good intel from from our St. Petersburg coverage of that game that put us, you know, that put White really in that spot for us. Yeah. 
And so aside from that intel, I'm going back and I'm watching films. I watched them quite a bit at, at LSU, but I watched the highlight reels and I'm like, this guy yeah. is a Todd Bowles linebacker, man. Yeah. He is, he is oh, yeah. full tilt, straight ahead, blitzing, uh, run defense, tackle for loss kind of guy. So, and, and we saw that again on, on Sunday and, mm-hmm. and John, the Raiders, I'm not saying that, that they wish they would have drafted Devin White, but you look at the missed tackles, you look at, at the, the ability for the Raiders to give up big they runs. They would have drafted and, somebody else for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and that that was something that John Gruden really mentioned on the conference call today was was he was asked to compare the, the Chiefs' uh, offense versus the Bucks. He's like, well, they're completely different, but they're both high scoring, and they both have pretty good balance to them. They both can run the football. And he said that's really been the the hidden story in Tampa. It's how they can run the football. Now, Buccaneer fans, uh, like I shared on a, on a previous podcast, uh, you know, that I saw him run. I'm a believer. I mean, Rojo has made me a believer. This guy yeah. is a legit running back and and a, a guy that is is going to push for a thousand twelve hundred yards. I, I think this year, three one hundred yard games in a row. And you know, this offensive line has got a lot of pride in it. And they want to see Rojo get to four 100-yard games in a row. And, and right. I think if that happens, what that means is the Buccaneers have gotten an early lead uh, like they did against the Packers in quarters two and three. And then yep. you can really run Rojo in the fourth quarter. And that's where I think that's where that 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 fourth 100-straight uh, rushing game could be in the offering, John. Right. Yeah. No, I think it's going to be a breakout game for the receivers too, though. You know, the Raiders are overmatched at cornerback. They have been for a long time. LaMarcus Joyner, they just – they paid him a lot of money, and they refused to play him at safety. Their safeties yeah. are not very good. They have two of the lowest-graded safeties in the league, uh, a pro football focus. I have watched plenty of Jonathan Abram. I know that he was a first-round pick. I don't get it. I didn't get it then. I definitely don't get it after He's a highlight. He's a highlight reel guy. He looks he great. He tackles occasionally. He looks great for the three- to four-minute highlight reel, yeah. right? But yeah, then when you I, really break down the film and you see all of his deficiencies, you know yeah. that, that's, what, that's why you can't scout from, from YouTube uh, right. just because – I mean, he looks great for three or four minutes. You can take all the cutups, all the knockout hits, you know, yeah. all of the all of the splash plays. You see his athleticism flash, but it's the mental lapses and the plays he doesn't make that right. vastly outnumber the plays that he does make. Right. He does kind of actually remind me a little bit of Jordan Whitehead, except Whitehead's a better tackler, I think. You know, Whitehead around the box and around the line of scrimmage, blitzing. I could see them all both being successful in those roles. But you put Jonathan Abram in coverage, and I just think p- things get exposed quickly. And so, and I think the same thing for Lamarcus Joyner. I was just talking about him, but he's a guy that the Raiders have played in the slot consistently over the last two years, and he's just been shredded in the slot. He's just not a good man cover guy. Yeah. And so I think that's where LaMarcus Joyner kind of loses me as well. And if he's going to match up with Chris Godwin and the Raiders are going to play any semblance of man coverage, although I know they've typically been a zone-heavy defense in the past, you know, this is that's not the formula, I don't think, for success. Damon Arnett, who is a rookie who has struggled, I already mentioned he is out uh, for, with on the COVID list as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether he'll be back. I, I don't think he will be back for this game. We'll see and keep monitoring your, uh, our eye on that as we get closer to the game. But Trayvon Mullen's been decent this season, I mm-hmm. think. But, again, this is just not a team that has had – they haven't had great cornerback play. They've drafted him. They haven't had great cornerback play. You know, for a long time, Nevin Lawson's seen a lot of the snaps. A career kind of journey was in with Detroit for a while and has just been an okay player. And so they really haven't had shutdown guys at corner. They don't have them in the secondary. They haven't covered well as a result. They don't make splash plays in the secondary. I think this is the type of defense that Tom Brady can have a ton. 
ton of success against. And I think that Chris Godwin and Mike Evans can eat. Every, I'm writing about it. I'm writing about it tomorrow, Scott. There's going to be an article okay. about it on Thursday. Everybody's wondering what the heck is going on with Chris Godwin's production and even more so with Mike Evans' All production. Right. And I'm telling people, yes, I get it. Why? You're fr- but calm down. Good times are coming for both of them. Better times are coming. The Giants aren't that far off. And we all know what Mike Evans does <laughs> to the Giants. That's a great um, point, and, John. And, John, there's 10 games left, you know? That's right. You know what else is, is left in terms of, of time is is hurricane season. There's there's another hurricane down there by Bermuda, right? I mean, here we are in Florida. Uh, we're not in November yet. We still have uh, 10 days. Yeah. Um, the election's coming up, but so is the end of hurricane season. But it's still here. So storm season is here. Don't wait to review your insurance policies. Carl Breyer Greaves Insurance, which is family-owned and operated, for over 30 years in the Tampa Bay area. They've served this this area so well when it comes to home, auto, boat, life, commercial, and flood insurance needs. Mark Cook has them as his personal insurer. Uh, I'm going to be making the call next week to have Briar Greaves take a look at my homeowner's insurance policy, which is kind of under review right now. A lot of homeowner companies are going through cancellations and non-renewals of policies. I'm in that category. It's happening to me right now. No joke. They're leaving Florida, and they're increasing premiums significantly. I'm going to call Briar Greaves and speak directly to either Briar or Sam for that personal touch for the information and the best rates. And listen, Marcus told me, and I believe him, if, if, I've, if I've got a better rate with the company I'm with right now, they'll tell me to stick with them. If not, maybe they'll give me the better deal. And if that's the case, they're going to earn my business. But you know what, John? It doesn't hurt one bit to make the call and just have Briar Greaves review your policy. The folks at Briar Greaves are big Buck fans, too. That's the cool thing. They're proud sponsors of this Pewter Report podcast on pewterreport.com because they care about Buccaneer fans, and they're big fans of the team. Visit briargreavesinsurance.com. As you see there on the screen, briargreavesinsurance.com, or call them today at 813-876-4166. That's 813-876-4166, Briar Greaves Insurance. And John, I was going to call them yesterday. Unfortunately, I had some very tragic news. My mother passed away. Um, I we've had some fantastic comments and questions in this uh, this chat today. This uh, Peter Report podcast. Here we are uh, getting a whole bunch of these questions and comments from Bucks fans, and we love them. We put them up on our on our YouTube stream so you can see some of your feedback. It helps you interact with the show, and we. We get to uh, to put your viewpoints out there and answer your questions, which is really fun. It's a new addition to the Peter Report podcast. But I also had a lot of great comments today and condolences and well wishes from from Peter Nation out there, from you guys on, on PeterReport.com. Um, my mom is a huge Bucks fan. And uh, she loved watching the Bucks defense take care of business on Sunday. We used to talk after the games. I'm going to miss those chats going forward, but uh, um, she she got to see one hell of a game on Sunday, and it really made her happy. So um, as fate would have it, um, my mother lost her husband, my stepfather, uh, about eight years ago. It happened literally um, uh, right around the draft. Um, I remember I, I had, it was, I believe, on the, on the second day of the draft, um, and that's been really hard on her. She was in a lot of pain. She had a debilitating neck condition. But um, God works in really mysterious ways. As it turns out, yesterday was my mother and stepfather's wedding anniversary. So um, what what a day to go be re- reunited with him. What a great gift from God to 
to uh, to reunite them. Um, and I couldn't think of a better anniversary gift. I miss my mom terribly. I, I love her. And I love you guys very much for all of the outpouring of love and support that that you, John, and Mark, and, and Grizz, and, and Matt have showed me, and Hugh and Allison at Pewter Report, and, and just all of the Buccaneer fans. I've gotten um, texts from Jason Light and uh, John Robinson, the, the Titans general manager, Ben Steele, the, the Falcons tight ends coach, um, just just a, a, everybody at WDAE. Um, and just really wanted to to thank you. It means an awful lot. It, it it was it was a sudden loss. At the same time, she was seventy seven. We all have to go at some point. Um, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll miss her. And uh, I'm going to be writing a little bit about her in my Fab Five. Uh, plenty of Bucks content. Plenty of Bucks Raider preview in that. But if you allow me to indulge you for a, a few paragraphs, my mother Judy Ann Dunleavy is the one who uh, really got me turned on to football. We used to fight over the Kansas City sports section, the Kansas City Star sports section. Um, you know, the only way I could get it first was if I actually went out and grabbed the paper off the driveway in the morning. Um, if she got to it, if I was being lazy, then I'd have to wait till she was done with it. So she was a huge football fan. Started off being a Redskins fan. I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area for a little while. Moved to Kansas City in 1980. Became a Chiefs fan. And then and then um, when I moved to Tampa to cover the Bucks in 95, she came down in 96. And we all know what happened in 1996, John. Tony Dungy came and, and the Buccaneers turned it around. It's just crazy. But everywhere she went, the football team won uh, yeah. Super Bowls and, and championships. So um, love you, Mom. Miss you very much. And again, thank you, Pewter Report family, for your outpouring of support today. It means an awful lot. Yeah, we Love you and certainly have your back and completely supporting you during this time. And, you know, it sounds like she was an awesome woman and uh, and a huge Bucks fan that supported this team through thick and thin. And I think it'd be the coolest thing ever is if uh, the last game that she saw you here on this earth is the one that starts to turn things around for this franchise. And knowing that she, she and her support was definitely a part of that uh, was pretty, pretty neat. Um, we, we are going to close out with our predictions uh, for this yes. week's game. Uh, Bucks and Raiders predictions i think my what i got one wrong the bears game but i think yeah you know i think i'm for well, you got one the of packers the, right so you're tied with, right. with me and and i think everybody else i think yeah uh i think i think mark is still he's three and two i think he's three and two. unless maybe yeah, he's he got the packers one wrong too he got right. the bears one wrong and he got one wrong before that what did he say? he's he might be my, my, he might be three and three now. I think he is three and three. He might be. What we'll I think see, he's three but, and three. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. but you and I are doing well. I, th- I think. Are we both four and one, or did you get you got the Packers wrong, and you got the I Bears got the, wrong? I get the Packers and the Bears. Yes. So okay, you're so you're in the you're in the pole position the John. right now. So this yes, is a big vote for me. You it know. Is, I, yes. It I, is. I honestly think Scott, there will be some level of a little bit of a letdown for them coming off the Packers game. I I don't think it's to the point that they'll lose the game. I think they're going to win this game. Um, I just think that I bet I would think that it comes out and it's just a little bit of a slow start and then things pick up as the game progresses. Um, mm-hmm. It is hard to play a football game and not commit any penalties, any turnovers, any uh, sacks, you know, all those things are not going to happen every time. And so when you've done that and then kind of, you know, you're back in an adverse situation, it's going to happen, whether it's good calls or bad calls or things like that. I just think it's a huge game for the Bucs. You know, I don't think this is a, a great football team for sure, but I think it's a solid one. And the Bucs need to need to take care of business in this game. You know, it's great to go out and dominate the Packers, but we've said it before. It's about what this team does consistently moving forward. Yeah. 
the new kind of direction that they establish as an organization isn't enough for just to say one game, okay, that what's it, we've arrived. It's right. the start of something, but yes. that's something it can't be that start of something unless it continues. Right. And so that's right. I think it's crucial that they come out and they play really well in this game and they win the, this football game and they start to string these games together because they don't have that many great opponents this season. They really don't. I mean, looking at the rest right. of their schedule, you know, this team should be, you know, at worst 10 and six um, at absolute worst. Um, you know, and if they keep continue to be able to beat opponents that are good, but better or worse than Green Bay, then they should be even better than that. And they should win this division. And this is a game I think they have to do to do that. I don't think it necessarily is going to be super pretty right out of the bat, but I do think that eventually it will be. I think it's going to be a, a, a 30 to 17 victory uh, for the Bucs. I think they pull away late and, and make it pretty decisive. John, I'm going to go with 48. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm going to go with 48 to 21. Wow, 48. You yeah, think the yeah, offense has an absolute field day, huh? Well, I want to say that just, just for old time's sake, because that was the score in Super Bowl 37 for Bucks fans. Uh, you know, th- that included uh, three pick sixes, right? I mean, the Bucks offense That's was right. good enough that day. They, they put 28 points on the board. Take away the, the two pick sixes by Dwight Smith. Take away the Derek Brooks pick six. They still would have won the game 28-21. Uh, so I'd love to say 48 to 21, just for old time's sake. But you know what? I, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm going to go with a more reasonable, manageable score of 37 to 20. I still think the Buccaneers outplast uh, the Raiders. They win by 17. I think it might be a different story if that place is packed. If the Death Star is packed, John, it might be a different story. But yeah. the, the Raiders, unlike the Buccaneers or any team in Florida, uh, no fans in the stands still due to COVID-19. So I think that that type of sterile environment uh, doesn't really help the Raiders at all. Um, and I, I think Tampa Bay is ready to to play some really good ball from here on out. And uh, 37-20, I, I think the Buccaneers win by 17. There we go. There we go. It sounds good to me, Scott. I think we're going to probably, I would guess we'll see five Peter reporters pick the Bucs to win, which maybe scares me a little bit. But <laughs> still, long uh, season. But I think that, yeah. That's right. On paper, I I do think that this this is clearly a situation where the Bucks are at least the same equal on offensive side of the ball and with more explosive power. I think more upside babies basically to their offense and yeah. just so much better on the defensive side of the ball that I think they're going to have to really shoot themselves in the foot and fall back on their old ways. You know, we say old two weeks ago ways um, to lose <laughs> this game. You know, very similar in fashion to the Bears. Uh, except probably even more so. And so we will see uh, how the game progresses. Obviously, we'll have the the uh, predictions from the roundtable of all of us on Peter Report and some of more of our in-depth analysis mm-hmm. um, of the game. We'll have that up. Um, we'll have that up on the site uh, on Friday, Friday afternoon. Yeah, Friday, Friday, afternoon. Friday morning, I'll have my fast-forward rewind section where I'll, I'll take a, a quick look back at the Packers then a, a much longer look ahead forward at the Raiders in addition to having my four matchups to watch in the the Bucks Raiders game, and for you folks that are going to stay up Sunday night, and we know you're going to take off work on Monday. Come on now, you're going to stay up and and watch the game, and then call in sick to work on Monday after a big Bucks victory. We're actually going to have a show Sunday night after the game, so be sure to check that out live. Time to be determined. That'll that'll depend on what time the game ends. But uh, as soon as we can least, get live, <laughs> as soon as we can get live, and right. if you don't catch that show, the good news is. You'll have uh, the, the the latest Peter Report podcast, that post game podcast to listen mm-hmm. to Monday morning as your fight rush hour on your way to work. 
Yep, absolutely. We'll have tons of great content coming next week. As I said, Thursday at 7 p.m. That's tomorrow, 7 p.m. We are going to talk to Deshaun Reed of The Athletic. Mark and I are going to sit down with him. We're going to talk about the Raiders and the Bucks, how they match up. He will have lots of perspective on the Raiders situation, and we'll keep updating you on our site and on the podcast about this COVID issue and how that might affect the game moving forward with the Raiders dealing with that and their offensive line getting sent home from practice today as they kind of quarantine and test and contact trace and see what the effect of this uh, this situation with Trent Brown uh, is. So, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We thank you all for tuning yes. in, subscribing on YouTube, uh, and following along with us, and we'll catch you again next time. Thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Love you, Mom. Out. <laughs>